How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Well, the big story when it came to aerospace was that Chinese balloon floating over the United States and the eventual shootdown over the Atlantic. But there's always stuff going on even higher than that in lower Earth orbit. And Mike Wall joins us from Space.com to discuss that. Mike, always a pleasure. I hope you're doing well. Yep, yep, always good to talk to you too. Yeah, Uh, what what is uh, amazing, and we talk about it frequently, it's hard to get away from it, is SpaceX and what they continue to do just with their Falcon 9 workhorse rocket. I watched uh, another launch this week and uh, return the first stage back to a drone ship out in the Atlantic. It's just also routine. It's it's just incredible what they're doing and and doing it so often. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is funny. You know, I I still remember when they they pulled off their their first rocket landing, which was in late 2015, and then their their first drone ship landing. But I mean, landing like the returning first stage on this ship, like. 300 miles out to sea and it was just all so crazy it had never been done before and now yeah it is it's it's true we we like do expect it now because they've done it so many times but we it's just one of those things it's a reminder i guess like like a lot of things in life you shouldn't take it for granted because it is really amazing and and yeah like just the fact that they're doing it so regularly we should we we yeah like we should still appreciate it when when these things happen i think yeah and they're launching uh cargo uh to the iss uh they're continuing to build on their Starlink constellation and then ultimately on the dra- you know dragon capsule uh sending humans into low earth orbit and returning them back to earth safely speaking of that uh you posted a story not that long ago today about uh, the Russian progress cargo spacecraft arriving at the international space station and apparently there's a leak with this ship as well yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty nuts, you know. That 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 just yeah. We we just heard about it today. There like there was a Russian cargo launch to the space station on Thursday, and that that cargo spacecraft it made it safely to the station very early this morning. That's not the one where they discovered the leak. It was a different one that came up this past October and is is scheduled to leave in a week or so. And they 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 discovered like it it. It had a coolant leak. It was, it was announced today. This 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 older cargo spacecraft, and if people are space fans, you know they probably remember there was a leak in a Soyuz spacecraft, which is the crew spacecraft. This 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 new leak is a Progress, which is a robotic cargo craft, but it was in the coolant system. That's where the leak of the Progress was, and there was a leak in the in the coolant system of the Soyuz too, just a couple of months ago. So it's it's 
pretty concerning, you know. I mean, is is that a coincidence? I mean, Russian space officials said that the Soyuz leak, which happened in mid-December, was caused by it got hit by some sort of small space object and punched a hole in the coolant line. But you know, this this progress just leaked its coolant as well. Could it be another hit in the same spot on the spacecraft? It's like a pretty big coincidence if that's true. So they're 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 going to have to investigate this really closely and see if there's some kind of design issue that the Russians need to address or if it is just a big coincidence that's it's we don't we don't have all that information right now but it's it's pretty concerning yeah and what what is concerning beyond that with the soyuz capsule is that's kind of considered a lifeboat if you will if there is some sort of catastrophic failure on the international space station astronauts would climb into that for the return return trip home now there are contingency plans etc with the progress freighter it's not as big a deal because it isn't carrying humans yeah yeah it's 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 yeah, it's not like a huge deal by itself, you know, like in isolation, finding a leak on a progress. And they're they're sort of designed just to, to burn up in Earth's atmosphere when they're done at the space station anyway. So this 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 one with the leak in it is going to it's just going to come back down to Earth and just burn up in our atmosphere. So that's not a huge loss that it has a leak. But if it is, if yeah, if it like does indicate there's something wrong with the design of the coolant system, of various Russian spacecraft. And yeah, that's, that's where the concern lies. And I mean, I'm not saying that that's true, but the fact that there's two of these leaks within a two month span on, on Russian spacecraft has got to have, yeah, I mean, you got to have NASA thinking, you got to have the the whole Russian space agency has got to be thinking about this and saying, do we need to kind of really look at the design of these vehicles? Yeah. And then beyond that, Mike, is is there a thought that, and I know when it comes to human space flight, redundancy is a huge part of the equation in just about every part of, of what's done, life support systems, safety systems, et cetera. But, but is there a thought that, you know, okay, uh, the Russians are going to launch another capsule. There'll be a life raft there. Is there a thought that maybe they need more redundancy and that maybe a Dragon capsule uh, from SpaceX would be sent up and and be at the ready if needed? Yeah, that's that's. I'm, I'm sure that's been under discussion when the, when the Soyuz leak when when that happened a couple months ago. I'm sure, sure. all options are kind of on the table. What what the Russians decided to do was 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 send up another Soyuz with with no crew members on board. So it's going to launch empty to to replace this one with the hole in it. That was it's the this like Soyuz with the with the leak was supposed to come back down in March with three astronauts, one from NASA, two from Russia. But it's been deemed it's like unfit to carry astronauts down because if it doesn't have any coolant, you know, it's kind of dangerous for the astronauts to be in a ship coming back to Earth through Earth's atmosphere with no way to cool the ship down on the inside, you know, it's like, it's pretty jam packed and you don't want to have three people crammed in there for hours and hours and have no air conditioning. It's pretty, it's just very uncomfortable. So yeah, they've, they've decided that they don't want to use that. Soyuz with the whole, with the leak in it, but they like can, if they absolutely have to, if they have to evacuate the space station before the next Soyuz gets up, then they actually could use this damaged one and put two astronauts on board and then send the other astronaut down NASA astronaut down in a SpaceX Dragon capsule kind of jammed in as like a fifth crew member there. So it's, they're, yeah, they're, they're contingency plans, but it's not ideal. And yeah, I mean, if, it, if you talk to anybody in the human spaceflight world, they, they, like, they talk about this word that, that you mentioned. It, they, they like want redundancy in all their systems. They, they would love to have more than two crew carrying spacecraft. Right now it's just the Dragon and the Soyuz that can take people to orbit and back. 
they're really excited. I think Boeing is supposed to get its new its new astronaut taxi called Starliner. It's supposed to carry astronauts to the space station for the first time in a couple months. So once Starliner comes online and gets certified for astronaut flight, then that will help a lot just in terms of if there's a problem with the Soyuz or a Dragon, you also have Starliner. But that's still kind of down the road, and we don't know how that crew test flight's going to go. So, yeah, we just have two for now. Mike Wald joining us from Space.com, senior writer there, and joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline on this lovely Saturday in February. We've got a bit of a thaw in these parts, so a lot of people out and about enjoying the relatively warm weather. At this time of year, sunny and 40 degrees, Mike, is a big deal. Uh, people celebrate <laughs> sunny and 40 yeah. degrees in these parts in February. It's it's a very nice break. Um, I, I did want to bring up another topic, and that is uh, China and their uh, growing capability. They have an orbiting platform. They've been able to launch astronauts, return astronauts, um, and now a spacewalk. Uh, their, their capabilities in low-Earth orbit – continue to grow by leaps and bounds yeah they've certainly become a big space power and it's not just all the human spaceflight stuff which is very visible and it's they're they're very invested in that too because it's a national pride thing it's a very visible sign of their technological capabilities right they can they can build a space station by themselves in earth orbit and they can send people there on chinese rockets and, and on chinese spacecraft and bring them safely home that's like that's really big for for the Chinese government to show that they are a space power and all the world can recognize it. But they're also being very aggressive in, in sending satellites up to Earth orbit. I mean, they're, they're like the, they have the second most satellites of any country in Earth orbit just behind us. And like a lot of their, their satellites are, are surveillance satellites. And we don't really know exactly what they're doing up there because they're pretty tight-lipped about their, their, spa, their space plans and their capabilities. But we know that they are extremely capable. Um, they have... They have very advanced technology for surveillance. And so, yeah, it's one of those things. It is obviously a big priority of the Chinese government to become a huge space power and to, to actually maybe even eclipse us in that sense. And I don't know what the timeline is or if that's going to happen because we, we, we like know this. And like if you talk to anybody in the, in the Space Force or other branches of the U.S. military, they're very aware of this sort of threat um, and they're like working hard to to ensure that, that our systems keep evolving as well. But it is something that, that, yeah, I mean, people at the highest levels of the U.S. government talk about a lot and say it's a priority that we, that, that we maintain our space superiority through all this. Yeah, it, Mike, it came up when this balloon was floating over North America, Alaska, parts of Canada, and then the United States, and then finally uh, went over the Atlantic east of the Carolinas and was shot down by the Air Force simple fact of the matter and i I brought it up uh, a a week ago when i was on the air and said uh there there are satellites from china and other countries that are not friendly to the united states that uh, fly overhead constantly and are are doing surveillance work so uh, while the the balloon at sixty thousand feet is a concern and what's it doing and their political implications the simple fact is and this has been going on for decades yeah, yeah. People shouldn't be surprised that they're they're that our Chinese spy craft. They they have they have dozens and dozens of satellites that are doing this too. Sure. It, I mean, it's it and and I mean, we're doing this too. We have a lot of very capable spy satellites too. I mean, it's not like China's the only country that's trying to gain an advantage in this way. 
but but it is interesting with the balloons like you when like you do wonder what what advantage you would get from this this sort of balloon surveillance and it's it's risky as we just found out if you lose control of it it can create a big international incident and it can make you look like you're incompetent or you're or you're trying to provoke like yeah like when your adversary nation is sending something into its airspace it's it's a very strange thing to do with it's like a high risk sort of thing so they would theoretically be getting something valuable from it. And, and like some of the people I've talked to think that it's probably like electronic surveillance is probably more of a priority with balloons, because if you're on a satellite, you're a couple hundred miles up or, or higher, you, you can't intercept so get, get sort of like communication signals nearly as well as you can when you're down in Earth's atmosphere with a balloon. So, I mean, maybe that's what they're getting, but it's all speculation because, you know, Chinese government still says that these are weather stations and they say that they're totally benign, which I don't think anybody believes, but um, that's what they're saying anyway. Quick break. We'll come back. SpaceX down in Texas. They are busy. And a huge step to launch Starship happened this week. And we'll get Mike's thoughts on that. Those Raptor engines came to life on the Super Heavy Boosters. And we may see a flight, an orbital flight, very soon. We'll get Mike's thoughts on that. Here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. Mike Wall from Space.com joining us. Let's head down to Texas and talk about Starship. Uh, this this has been in the works for a while, and finally they uh, fired up 31 of 33 Raptors engines on this gigantic Super Heavy booster. And if the Super Heavy with Starship stacked on top flies it will be the most powerful rocket ever flown yeah yeah it'll it'll that like it'll produce somewhere in the neighborhood of, of like 17 million pounds of thrust which is way more than any other rocket like has ever produced i mean if people remember when when the artemis one mission lifted off this past november that giant new rocket that nasa built called the space launch system it's currently the most powerful rocket ever to fly successfully and it's about eight it, it, it produces 8.8 million kind of pounds of thrust basically so the starships almost double that wow. which is insane it's insane it's designed to just launch huge quantities of huge you know kind of amounts of volume and mass to earth orbit to help us get stuff up there and onto mars and onto the moon you know all this infrastructure that we might need to build a colony on the moon or a colony on mars that's sort of what it's designed to do and yeah i mean this was one of the major hurdles that was left before it can do its first orbital test flight um and if the remaining checkouts go well, you know, they've, they've got to analyze all the data from the test fire, but it seemed to go pretty well. They said it was a full duration test fire. It was about six or seven seconds, which is what they wanted. And, and if all the data from the engines was that good and they don't have to make any big changes, this thing could launch to Earth orbit or try to anyway as soon as next month, Elon Musk has said. Yeah, in, in this Raptor engine burns methane, which is u- unique. Um, right now, a SpaceX rocket uh, is liquid oxygen and kerosene uh, for for all practical purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is it's it's a different fuel, but it's a fuel that's actually designed for a Mars rocket because, like, you can actually make methane on from the atmosphere of Mars, and that's what um which which is mostly carbon dioxide. So that's sort of why they they designed it in this way. I mean, Elon Musk has said this. You know, if you want to to set up like a Mars outpost and you want to fly back and forth from Earth to Mars and from Mars to Earth, you're, you're going to have to use a fuel that you can make on the red planet without that much trouble. 
and it wouldn't be all that hard from a chemistry standpoint to, to make methane on Mars and just kind of use it as, as a fuel for your rocket. It, it is extraordinary to think, and we have discussed this in the past. You're thinking, well, these rockets are so huge, and they're, they're getting bigger and bigger. You brought up SLS and, and what, what sent Artemis around the moon and, and brought it back and will eventually send humans back to the moon. With, with this particular system, the, the Starship system and this super heavy booster and this reusable ship, number one, it's 100% reusable. But another big part of that is the fact that they want it to be reusable down the road to the likes of a jetliner, like a 737. Lands, uh, the passengers get off, they put more fuel on it, and it takes off again and flies somewhere else. I mean, in reality, that's what they want to be able to do because of the amount of stuff you need to get out of Earth's atmosphere to to colonize the moon or ultimately Mars. Yeah, and I mean, if if you're dreaming that big, then you have to kind of have that plan that, that that's just built into your design from the outset. And what 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 Elon Musk has said is they actually want this this like giant first stage booster, super heavy that they just test fired all those engines on. What what SpaceX wants to do after its flights, you know, I mean SpaceX is is famous for its booster landings after orbital launches. You know, they land on the drone ship, so they land at a, at a landing zone near the launch pad. What they want to do with super heavy is to land it right back onto the launch mount, like where it lifted off from. They want it to come right exactly back onto the mount and be sort of caught there. So you don't have to waste time, time with the hauling it back to shore from the drone ship or, or kind of just putting it outside to, to drive it back from the landing pad back to the launch pad. He wants to put it directly back onto the launch mount, do some, do some minor refurbishments there, and just launch it again. And that, I mean, if, if they can pull that off, that would just be just unbelievable because something like that's never been, been done before. You know, because I, I, I've, you know, read – tons of books and have been a big fan since I was a boy about space flight. And if you think about it and, and what they had to do just to make that trip to the moon and keep astronauts alive for a few days on the surface and then bring the three back safely to earth and land them, just about everything was disposable on that trip. But, but to make it reusable and, and get the stuff you would need for humans to be able to set up shop on the moon and then beyond that Mars, you, you just think about all the stuff you would need to do that. And, and you're talking not just a few launches, you're potentially talking to, to make a realistic trip to Mars, potentially a hundred launches of, of material and sending it there and getting people set up so they could stay because it's a long way there. You got to stay there a while before you can make the return trip. Yeah. And it would, it would be a lot of many, many, many starship launches and it'll like, it'll be a lot of starship launches before people get on it. Actually. We've, we've like heard SpaceX say that they, they don't want to launch on like the, but they, they don't want to put people on like the 10th starship launch or the 15th one. They, they like want to put them on the 200th or the 300th. And so it kind of jives with their plans for, for, yeah, for their big, big sort of their, their, their kind of satellite internet system, which is called Starlink. They, like they already have about 3,500 of those operational Starlink satellites, but they're switching over to, to, a, to a new bigger 
carrying a Starlink satellite that's designed to launch on Starship. So what, what they're going to actually do is is launch a lot of Starlink satellites with Starship and kind of use those as, as proving ground test flights for people, you know, and see if they can build up all the reliability with Starship on these Starlink launches. And that'll show NASA and show, show lots of other people who are interested in actually putting people on Starship that it's safe to fly. And there, I mean, there are plans. NASA has already signed up to put people on Starship. It's going to be like the first lunar lander for the Artemis program and put people on the moon in 2025, if, if all goes according to plan. So if, if we do see this orbital test flight next month and it works, I would imagine we're going to see a lot more Starship launches really in quick succession to try to build up that cadence and that reliability. And just, yeah, it's going to be pretty crazy. Yeah, so that could be coming up very quickly and earlier in the program you mentioned another one worth watching a boeing starliner uh could launch at some point late first quarter uh more likely early second quarter here in 23 yeah it's possible it could get off the ground but yeah kind of like as early as as like mid-april um okay. i don't know if yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to hit that timeline. I guess I, I don't think they've formally announced like a like a target launch date, but that's sort of what they're looking at. Kind of April, May would be my guess when it when it does fly. But that's going to be a big deal too. You know, it's it's made it to the, the space station and back once. It didn't have astronauts on it, but that that was a big accomplishment and putting people on board. And yeah, that that's going to be a, be a pretty big deal when it happens. And if we can get get Starliner certified and have three have three certified crew carrying kind of spacecraft to go to the, sp- the space station and back it's going to be yeah it's going to be a really big deal well mike always good to visit with you i i certainly appreciate your work at space.com and hopefully we can do it again soon sure yep yep yeah i'm always happy to talk to you steve all right there he is mike wall space.com senior writer there but uh some of the photos of this uh 31 uh, engine test of the Starship down in Texas are pretty spectacular. 31 of 33 uh, came to life on that test fire, and Elon Musk said, that is enough to get us to orbit. And then uh, that would land uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, the Starship uh, Super Heavy Booster. Starship itself, the upper stage, would reach orbit and land in the ocean near Hawaii if all goes well. 332, uh, speaking of going well, we'll talk weather in a moment. And then good friend of ours, Chris Thomason from the Pioneer Press, he covers the Vikings year-round. Uh, we'll talk some Viking news. Justin Jefferson, a big award. Uh, and, of course, uh, the big game tomorrow in Arizona. That's all on the way here at News Talk. E3OWC. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. CO. Timberwolves got beat by the Grizzlies last night. They continue the road trip in Big D against the Mavericks on Monday night. Alan Horton joins us later today here on News Talk E3OWCCO to talk about the trade and much, much more. Uh, big weekend for the NFL. The Super Bowl tomorrow in Glendale, Arizona. It'll be Philadelphia 
taking on Kansas City. Uh, Philly a slight favorite. More on that in a bit. Uh, we're joined by Chris Thomason, who covers the Vikings for the Pioneer Press, online at TwinCities.com. Chris, how you been? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah, good good to visit with you. Here we are, the big game tomorrow. And then uh, quickly, the NFL segues into what will be their new year, if you will, with free agency and the draft and the countdown to training camp. It really is a year-end business. It, it, it really is, no joke, not long after the Super Bowl, and they get right back at it and start talking about 23. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a little bit of a break here, and yeah. then it's uh... – combine and free agency and draft and spring drills otas and all that and a little bit of a break in training camp you are correct yeah and uh, chris uh, some big news a lot of festivities and awards etc hall of fame announcements uh let's start with the big award for justin jefferson uh real honor He, he is certainly recognized now as one of the elite talents uh, in the NFL on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I'll start with a slight editorial comment. I always kind of chuckle about the fact that the most valuable player also isn't the offensive player of the year. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Uh, doesn't seem to make any sense at all, but uh, what the voters usually do is, you know, the MVP is the MVP, and then uh, the player – Left over with the best stats is often the offensive player of the year, and it's hard to certainly argue the great stats that Justin Jefferson had this past season, 128 catches, 1,809 yards. And um, I think almost in a way he, he seemed more excited about being top five in the MVP voting. I mean, rarely do you see a receiver in the top five in the voting, he was asked by NFL Network just about you know his night in general, and that was what he kind of first said. He didn't talk about the thrill of winning Offensive Player of the Year. He talked about how uh, cool it was to be fifth in the MVP voting. But yeah, it definitely was a big night for him, and uh, he also won Best Moment of the Year for his catch against Buffalo. So he was. Uh, quite active in the awards on Thursday. And it goes without saying, the Minnesota Vikings uh, uh, will will pay Justin Jefferson, and, and he will get paid handsomely. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, we found out the exact figure for his fifth year. I mean, he'll make about $3 million or so uh, in the final year of his rookie contract this coming season, and then they'll pick up his option by May 1st for 2024, that'll be about $19.7 million. And then the real big bucks will start. He's eligible for an extension starting now. And, uh, I mean, $30 million a year is going to be a starting point. So uh, there's no doubt he's getting at least 30 And uh, I'm sure the Vikings are... Hoping he's not asking for thirty-five to forty or so, but we'll find out. Yeah, and is that something you you would expect them to do sooner than later? Is extend him and get him locked in? I mean, are there benefits in the cap? And I know you, you probably need a, a PhD in math 
sometimes to understand all the cap ins and outs, but is it something the Vikings could do sooner than later? Well, they'll first do their business for this upcoming season. I mean, the first step is sometime before May 1st. They will uh, pick up his option for 2024. That's And then they'll, in March, they'll be doing their free agency work for 2023. And then I'm sure the extension talk probably will start getting hot and heavy in the summer when they have a better idea of how contracts are standing, you know, after free agency. I mean, I'm sure they they have a a plan, but uh, I would imagine that it would be the summertime or so or or late spring before he potentially could sign a long-term extension. Chris Thomason joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline covers the Vikes year-round for the Pioneer Press online at TwinCities.com. Another big story so far this offseason, the Vikings have landed a defensive coordinator. A, a big order of business has been taken care of, and now the work of rebuilding that knee begins. Yeah, they definitely got a good one. highly respected guy and Brian Flores who did a great job with the defense, of course, in New England, winning Super Bowls. And uh, then he got the head coaching job in Miami, did a fine job there, obviously was surprisingly let go and has since filed a discrimination-type lawsuit. But obviously that doesn't affect the Vikings. They'll want Brian Flores, as you stated, to rebuild the defense. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there what veterans uh, might take pay cuts or might not come back, and then how much salary cap room they potentially could carve out for some defensive help. I mean, it's going to be hard to completely rebuild the defense because they, they're $24 million over the cap now, and uh, they're not going to get a ton under it, I don't imagine, unless they just wholesale release guys all over. And I don't think it'll be total carnage, but um, yeah. And they only have four draft picks. I mean, they'll get another one most likely as a compensatory pick. And I'm sure there'll be a defensive uh, slant in the draft, but it's going to be hard to totally rebuild it. And uh, Flores will have to rely on a lot of the guys, or at least some of the guys that they already have. And hopefully from a Viking standpoint, his coaching would make a difference. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that uh, of note, there, there's been a lot, and there always is, Super Bowl week, is that uh, Jared Allen didn't get the call to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, three straight years. He's been a finalist, hasn't made it, but... You know, next year's Hall of Fame class doesn't look quite maybe as power-packed. And the, the trend has been when you got a guy who's kind of been a finalist year after year, they eventually just get, you know, say, okay, we're tired of him being a finalist. Let's just put him in. Uh, so I'm sure I'll get in one of these days, you know, perhaps next year. But, um, yeah, I know he was uh, a bit disappointed. He thought – you know, he'd been saying that hopefully three is a charm, but, again, it didn't happen for him. Yeah, and uh, a fun bit I, I wanted to bring up before we run out of time, uh, 
some of the Pioneer Press uh, staff writers got together and did their Super Bowl picks and some commentary. And uh, I, I know people can read it in print in the paper or uh, online at TwinCities.com. But uh, how do you see this one playing out tomorrow in Glendale, Arizona, Kansas City, and Philadelphia? Well, I went with the Eagles 27 to 24, and uh, as I put in the paper, the Vikings have lost five straight years to the team that went on to win the Super Bowl. So <laughs> it could be six in a row with the Eagles. They, of course, lost to them 24 to 7 in week two. But, you know, basically, I think, I mean, sure, Patrick Mahomes is a top notch player, MVP, but I think the Eagles have maybe a more complete team on both sides of the ball, including that sack-happy defensive line that they have. So I went 27-24 Eagles. Yeah, Vikings saw the Eagles early in the year. And, you know, Jalen Hurts, you kind of feel bad for the kid because Mahomes is terrific, goes without saying, deserving MVP. But Jalen Hurts certainly had an MVP caliber season as well. Yeah, and I saw a statistic where the MVP winners, the last nine MVP winners in the Super Bowl have all lost. It's nine straight. So if you uh, go from that, uh, Mahomes would make a 10 if that streak continues. Yeah, and then, Chris, one other thought. Um, Green Bay Packer fans, division rival for the Minnesota Vikings, and uh, in in the Brad Favre and Aaron Rodgers era certainly have been – uh, near the top of that, uh, what, it, what is now the, the NFC North. Uh, Rodgers still kind of keeping Packer fans waiting after the Super Bowl will go into seclusion and try and sort it all out. How, how do you think this ultimately plays out? Because, you know, anything Green Bay does is, is still big news in these parts. You know, uh, last year I definitely thought that he would stay, and he did. This year, um, I think I don't have any inside knowledge, but uh, I think he probably moves on. So wow. he's uh, he's having his uh, big retreat, his uh, isolating himself this weekend, yeah. I believe. But uh, I think it's probably time. I mean, he definitely wasn't the same quarterback this past season as he had been, and uh, that probably – would make it a little bit easier also to sell it to Packer fans, him moving on since he wasn't all that great this past season. And also, um, you know, this, if they're going to get anything substantial for him or maybe not substantial, at least reasonable for him in a trade, this is the time to do it. So, um, and he seems to have a willingness to, kind of uh, restructure his contract in some way that it's feasible to trade him. So I think he, uh, I think he moves on. I mean, obviously people have thrown out the jets, there's the Raiders and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. That'll be uh, very interesting. So we'll find out four days, a darkness seclusion uh, for Aaron Rodgers, and then he'll emerge and maybe tell the the football world what's going to happen. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath, but but we'll see. Maybe we'll get uh, some sort of answer soon after all of that. Hey, Chris, always good to visit with you. Thanks so much for the time. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Steve.
All right, there he is, Chris Thomason, covers the bikes for the Pioneer Press, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. More on the big game uh, coming up. Uh, some some thoughts. Uh, I'm going to put Josh, our producer, on the line, get a prediction from him. I'll lay out my Super Bowl prediction. And you're always welcome to text your Super Bowl prediction as well to us on the City's One Plumbing Talk and text line. 651-461-9226. Who wins the big game and why? Get creative. Who wins the big game tomorrow and why? Ten minutes now in front of four here at News Talk. E3OWC's big game tomorrow. A lot of excitement in this house because I'm the only football fan. But uh, the, the, the folks I live with, my wife, my youngest daughter, uh, excited about Rihanna's appearance at halftime tomorrow and already plans they're they're asking me so when does the game start i'm like uh 5 30 when do you think halftime will be <laughs> I said, well <laughs> around seven o'clock or so you know it, it, it goes a little slower but i that sounds about right doesn't it kick off 5 35 thereabouts so we'll get to halftime. I would assume Rihanna takes the stage at around 7 our time. That sound fair, Josh? Seems yeah, it sounds right. accurate to me. Yeah. So that that's what they're building up to. Uh, they do not care about the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, or even potential overtime. It's like, when is she going to be on stage? They're, they're going to come in and settle in for that. Uh tomorrow night so it'll be a super bowl party here of three number one do you have big game plans uh, tomorrow or what what do you got cooking oh i'm just making you know the usual appetizers the hors d'oeuvres as always and just enjoying the big game and of course i'm always a commercial guy i love the commercials i love every facet of the super bowl so i too am also excited for rihanna and between now and the end of the program, you're welcome to send us a text. City's One Plumbing Talk and text line. Your prediction. Who wins and why? Feel free to, to get creative, have fun with it. Um, if you don't want to get creative or have fun, you're still welcome uh, to send a text. So we, we, we talked to Chris, and when I read the, the rundown that the guys in the Pioneer Press had, it, it was kind of interesting because they had Dane Mizutani, who, who works Viking games and covers the Wild as well. He he likes Kansas City by a field goal. John Shipley, uh, Kansas City by a point in a high-scoring game that would go over. Uh, Chris, Eagles by a field goal over Kansas City. And then shooter Charlie Walters uh, has Kansas City by a field goal Um as well. I, I'm going to just throw it out there right now. I I see two outstanding quarterbacks, two very good offenses. Special teams are awash. I, I think you have Andy Reid, who's a genius, but a pretty outstanding uh, coaching staff in Philly as well. Uh, to me, it comes down to the Eagles defensively being superior, just like Chris said a moment ago. And I pointed this out on late night when I was in for Henry on Thursday night. I think that's the deciding factor in the game. The Eagles are better defensively as a result. They win the football game. I think they win in cover, and the game goes slightly over. It was the Eagles favored by one and a half. 
and I think the over-under is 50 and a half. Well, that was time I checked. So I think it won't go way over, but, but I like the Eagles to win and cover and go over. What do you got, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, looking at the Vegas odds right now, it's still, like you said, one and a half uh, Eagles in favor of the Eagles. And then, yeah, 51 is the... Uh, is so it the, is 51. Yeah, 51 is the over-under right now. Uh, I think this will be a very tight-knit game. I think it'll pretty much come down to a field goal. I don't know if it'll be like a dramatic game-ending field goal, but I think it'll come down to maybe... Uh, I predict that uh, the go-ahead field goal will happen in, late in the fourth, and then it'll be, uh, you know... A Chiefs drive that'll you know come up short of being a you know a game changer a game changing drive. So I think the Eagles uh, sneak away with a three point win. Yeah, and I I don't gamble on sports, and you, you could say well you know Steve Steve's being you know a boy scout here because it's not legal in Minnesota. I, I have laid down a wager when I've been out in Vegas and I've played fantasy football and get involved on you know and game day boards and that sort of thing. And and that's all technically gambling. I'm not saying that. But as a rule, I, I just generally don't gamble on sports. But if I did, I'd put my money on the Eagles to win and cover and then, you know, throw in the over in, in the game tomorrow. And let's face it, legalized gambling is coming to Minnesota sooner than later. I, I, I think this is something that's definitely going to get done. And then, and then there'll be a, a lot more... Uh, gambling talk uh, here on the public airways. But uh, I say the same thing, and I've said it for years. If my team, the the team I grew up watching, the Minnesota Vikings aren't in it, then I don't have a rooting interest per se. I just want a good game. I I want a solid night of entertainment tomorrow night. And then it's kind of like, that's it for football, unless you're going to watch a USFL, and I'm not doing that. Um, so this is it, uh, the big game tomorrow night. And the non-football fans, like my wife and my daughter, they are happy to see the end of the football season around here. We have the news. We have the weather coming up next at 4 o'clock. We'll go outdoors with Steve Carney. Uh, stick around for that here on CCO.